Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury. If you're familiar with our podcast, then you know that that was always the inspiration when we started this podcast. It's since grown much beyond that in uh, several years that we've been doing this. But when I had a chance to sit alongside my old college professor while he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, I got a chance to learn a lot of lessons about life that I find as I get older and older, come back again and again in various forms. And today's no exception. I want to say hi to Lisa Goitz, my friend and producer of the program. Lisa, always good to have you alongside. Hi, Mitch. And hi, everybody. Listen to this cut of Maury uh, speaking when we were talking about fear and safety. Listen to what he had to say in this cut right here. In the past... Fear was a great sort of presence because life was not safe. In the primitive days, you killed at any moment by natural forces, by other people, by strangers. Gradually, what the history of the world has been is trying to make the world safer for human beings. However, we went to a certain point and then we made it completely unsafe. I don't think people are aware fully how much of a quantum leap their fear has taken. Aside from the little fears that you have in daily life because we have destructive. So, Maury gave a quick history of the world there. In the past, people worried about getting killed at any moment by rainstorms, by hurricanes, by things that uh, when we didn't have protection or homes, we were living in caves, natural disasters could kill us. So could anybody, any one of your neighbors. There was no law. There was no police. There was no anything. And gradually, as he said, the history of the world has been to try to make the world safer for human beings. However, it is not always safe. And I want to bring to your attention today in the form of something that's going on in, in, in my life and the lives of our children at our orphanage in Haiti, as well as a lesson that I think is, is very pertinent to our lives today, particularly here in America. I don't think we really understand what safety is. Safety is a word, safe is a word that I think is being abused in our country, in America, relative to what it is to the rest of the world. Why do I say that? Because people talk about being safe largely in reaction to language, words, ideas. Where's the most frequent usage you have heard of, I don't feel safe? 
these days in America. It's used on college campuses. It's used in workplaces by people who don't like the attitude or the sentences or the lack of pronoun use or whatever the case may be of somebody in their world. That somebody might be a professor, that somebody might be a fellow student, that somebody might be the the teacher who assigns a, a particular class assignment, as was the case at Cornell University, which recently had a pretty interesting reaction to a student assembly who said, hey, we don't feel safe around here. There was a student who was reading a novel about the Korean War that included a rape scene. And the student said that since she had had a sexual assault in her past, that reading the book made her feel unsafe. It was traumatic. So the student assembly, some friends of hers, basically drafted a resolution that wanted teachers to provide warnings on their syllabus about traumatic content that might be discussed in the class, including sexual assault or transphobic violence. Now, this is, you're talking about talking about it. We're talking about a novel that might include it. They had a resolution that they wanted everybody to give warnings that it might not be safe for you if you can't deal with the discussion of a piece of fiction that might include some kind of scene. And they also, I believe in this thing, said too that I think one of the things was that you wouldn't have to participate in reading this book too. So. It's kind of, I mean, I think back to college and I think about all the stuff you read in literature. Look at the Bible, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> the other day I opened the Bible. Just, there. Yeah, I opened the Bible to like a random page and I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? Very appropriate reaction reading the Bible. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, reading about violence or reading about something that makes you a little uncomfortable is, I- I'm not going to get into in, 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 in this format whether or not these kids have a point. Although I thought it was interesting that Cornell said, no, we're not going to do this, which you don't see very much on college campuses these days. But Cornell said, no, sorry, you're going to have to get over it. They said, and it's freedom of speech, right? Yeah, I mean, like freedom of speech and, they, and, and, and freedom of inquiry, freedom right. of, 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 you know, reading text. Otherwise, people could say a lot of things that, that makes me uncomfortable. But the point that I want to make is we have no idea what uncomfortable really is. Yeah. If we are in a world where we think that complaining about what we might have to read in a novel makes us uncomfortable and we want to opt out of it, I want to bring to your attention something that I'm dealing with right now and that our kids are dealing with. At our orphanage in Haiti, at the Have Faith Haiti Orphanage, we moved recently, you've heard me talk about it, a year ago, mm-hmm. because it was getting too dangerous in the neighborhood where we were. And we were on a third of an acre, and we were right out on the, off a of main street, and we were worried about the violence that was overtaking the city and the country. So we moved to a seven-acre parcel in a much better neighborhood with high walls and the kind of security that just from location that we thought was much safer. And it was. However, uh-oh. In the real world of safety, 
not words and pronouns and thoughts, but lives and bullets and attacks and knives. That violence has now sadly found its way to our neighborhood. You oh, may have geez. you may have read recently in a, it was last week that there was a group of gang members, gangs in Haiti now control some estimate 90% of Port-au-Prince, which is the largest city in Haiti. It has 5 million plus people. It's bigger than most cities in America. Wow. And 90% of it, they say, is, is run by gangs or overrun by gangs. And we have been in one of the smaller percentage areas that had blissfully been sort of not unaware of it. You know, we had to be very careful driving and all that, but no real violence. Well, that kind of ended when uh, a group of gang members was stopped by police in the neighborhood where we are. And apparently they were armed. And the citizens who have just had it, I mean, this has been years now of gangs dominating the streets, committing violence, killing people, taking people's homes, raping people, all the rest. Real, real action, not reading about it. Yeah. Real events that the people have said enough. We're not if the police aren't going to protect us and if America is not going to get involved with shamefully, we have ignored Haiti and the Biden administration has wants to have nothing to do with it, which is is crazy. They're right off of our shores and we're acting like not our business, not our concern. So the people have said, well, we have to take matters into our own hands. And their vigilantism has arisen. And what happened with these 12 gang members? is the neighborhood saw that the police had them and they swarmed them. They took over from the police. They killed all 12 of them. What? And, and, then, the, the, and, and then they burned their bodies in the street. Wait, the, the, the citizens did? Yeah. The citizens. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And so now this was a couple blocks from uh, the entrance of our orphanage. And these, this, they were making an example which has happened. It's not the first time this has happened. This is happening all over Haiti. What a terrible way to have to live. Well, exactly. But you haven't, I haven't even gotten to the worst of it. So the reaction of this, of course, was gun, gunfire left, right, and center. And for several days, the shooting was going on so badly that all of our kids uh, had to basically hide inside the upper oh. level of our school. Oh, that's um, terrible. And with the doors locked and with the with the couches and the desks pushed up against the doors, oh. we couldn't let our kids go outside because we don't know if bullets that are randomly fired might come yeah. down in, on, in our grounds. Um, and we had, you know, double our security force. We had 12 different security guards on r r circling our place. And then two days later, I get a call from one of our volunteers that right in the middle of the day that they're hiding again, our kids are now hiding upstairs on a single floor of the school. And they think that there's a gang member on our grounds. Oh my goodness. Now uh, we had our security forces. Thank God we called the, the local police who we have a good relationship with and a second security force. And they combed all out through the area. And it turned out that there was nobody there. Thank God. But there was somebody going through the neighborhood you know, nearby us, who they ultimately caught. And I think they killed them too. This, wow. this is real life wow. safety. 
And we have, uh, and I'm not going to be ashamed to say this because uh, when you need help, legitimate help, real problems, you should ask. Uh, we have started a GoFundMe page that you can find on GoFundMe for the Have Faith the Haiti Orphanage or the Hole in the Roof Foundation, if you look it up, because we need more security. We need to uh, immediately put in alarms, lights, cameras. We need to hire twice as many security guards, and we need to build basically a safe room, a big, big, large, you know, bulletproof uh, con wow. contained room, because this is what we're dealing with. Because there, there is no law and order there. there the police force is over, overwhelmed by the gangs. There is no government. There's only one person in the government, you know, a prime minister who, who's self-proclaimed and, and under siege. And the only thing keeping him from being killed is that he's the prime minister. And uh, this is what Haiti is. So our kids go to bed every night worrying about if they're going to live the next day. And they've written, we've oh. encouraged them to write things and express their opinions and talk about it. And we have, you know, uh, one of our kids are saying, well, I, I, we hear the bullets fly every, every night and we don't know if they're coming for us. And we just wonder if today's going to be the day that they break through and get to us. Now, of course, we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure nothing like that happens. And, you know, we have armed security and we have armored cars that we have to travel in and all the rest of it. But this is this is real life. <clears throat> and this is what people, sadly, in places like Haiti and the Sudan and other places like that, have to deal with all the time. So first of all, I ask you, if you are interested in, in, in helping us, if you're moved by this story, then please do. Please go to this GoFundMe and help in any way you can. I generally don't ask for that kind of a thing. We, we do fundraising over... Over the long haul, we encourage long-term relationships with people. You know, we encourage them to find out about us and read about us. And we don't do a heavy-handed, uh, you know, ask. Uh, and, and, and we've been just fine with that. And I provide a great deal of the finances, and happily so, for our operation. But we need an injection right now in order to get this done. It's very expensive because, as you can imagine, everybody wants security in Haiti. And so security yeah. guards and guns are impossible to get, unlike in America, where you can get one left, right, and center. They're, they're basically illegal in Haiti. But, but of course, all the criminals have them and all the gangs have them and they have rifles and, and assault rifles. And so the, the guns that the cops have frequently don't match up with the guns that the gangs have. So trying to find security is very difficult and, and trying to find people who can bulletproof you know, an area and, and get the right lighting and everything in there is difficult. But money can solve it. And so if you can go to GoFundMe and find, you know, the Have Faith Haiti mission, the Hole in the Roof Foundation is the overriding organization, um, and, and, and look that up and make a contribution, uh, we would appreciate it. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
for purposes of our discussion here today, this is what safety really looks like. This is what Maury was talking about. We have advanced from. Yes, in many parts of the world, like America, we have advanced from it to the point that our security now rests on how we feel about ourselves. Our safety rests about how we feel about our ideas and things that people are talking about around us. And, and are we, do we feel comfortable with that? But that is, and I say this with all due respect, that is a luxury. We are mm-hmm. pampered beyond belief. And if we think that this, is, this constitutes our security, then we need to spend more time in places like Haiti. One yeah. of the reasons I can say what I am saying about this and don't complain about thoughts and ideas that are spoken is because I go to Haiti every month and I see the situation in the streets and I sit in the back of an armored car with a bodyguard praying that we're not kidnapped. And, I- and I understand what it's like to live with that. And I see what our staff has to go through just to get to our school or, or to teach or to counsel the kids or to be a nurse to the kids. And they come and they talk to me about how they need to sleep at our orphanage now because a gang member just came and took over their house, just walked in with a gun, told them to get out. And now it's their house and they have no place to stay. This is what lack of safety is about. Not being, you know, hearing something bad in a college class, which you have a privilege to go to an Ivy League college class and somehow we're not safe. We need to get our priorities straight and we need to, as a country, think about other places. And as a people, think about other places where the safety is primitive uh, issue. It's, it's, It's about staying alive. Oh, it's everywhere now. Think about that. I mean, look at the Ukraine the past couple of years, right? The Ukraine and now in Sudan. I mean, there's just like things are, you know, there's super dangerous places in this world. When when you go there, Mitch, are you frightened? Like, do you get scared? Of course. Of course I am. Uh, But I can't not go. And we're going again on Monday. We had to cancel our trip. We were supposed to be there the day that that violence broke out. And, you know, I have to be smart about it when we go down. We don't want to drive into a war zone, but I'll be there next week. Uh, God willing, you know, that things will uh, calm down because you know, this is my responsibility. And I'm not telling people they have to go there. That, I've taken that on willingly. That's that's my charge. That's my responsibility. Yeah. But I, I do say that we do have an obligation to have some perspective. And if we are at the point where we're going to make resolutions and call for the safety of our mind that we don't have to hear anything that we don't like to hear or read anything that we don't want to read, then we need to spend more time on other things because we're being too indulgent with ourselves. And we need to spend our time raising money for causes like this and helping people in places like this. Well, also real life is going to be very difficult once you get out of your cushy college when you have to go into the real world and face real issues and real problems. You know, I mean, it's I, I mean, I have empathy for people who may have been hurt in their lives. But if there's something in a story that, you know, these trigger warnings and everything, life is full of triggers right. every day. When you leave your house, something will trigger something. And as an adult, as a full fledged adult, I think you need to find ways around it. A friend of mine had a really great suggestion. She said, why don't we just 
make sure that on college campuses, kids are taken care of with therapists. You know what I mean? Like start therapy young and they, they make do sure have that, that it's on not... a lot of campuses. Now they have quite a bit of counseling and therapy. Yeah. And that, just make and, sure it's not stigmatized. And that, and that, you know what I mean? and that alone is a, a luxury. A luxury. <laughs> right. But I find it ironic that we are talking about an issue and we use the word triggers because we're dealing with right. real triggers. Yeah. Gun, the guns. kind that fire a, a barrel of a gun and push yeah. a bullet through it. Not the kind that make you, uh, you know, have to think about something that you didn't want to think about. So again, I, I, I'm not here to criticize the people who do that as much as I am to say, let's find a more productive use of our worry and our time. And that would be to help people in truly dangerous, insecure situations where, where safety is a matter of getting up the next morning. I, I, I just, I had to read a note written by one of our kids who is just an amazing, an amazing young woman now. I wouldn't want to say little girl because when she came to us, she was one and a half. But, but uh, she wrote after a couple days of this trauma of having to be upstairs in a floor with, 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 with a desk and a chairs shoved up against the door in case someone would break in. And she's only 14 now. And she wrote, as the gunshots rained in the air, I felt frightened and weak. But with my, one of my younger siblings wrapped in my embrace, it reminded me that I had to be stronger than this. And she's uh, 14. And she probably, had, oh my stars. she probably had one of the six-year-olds in her lap. And she said, I have to be stronger because I have to watch out for those who are more vulnerable than me. More vulnerable than me. And that means someone younger than a 14-year-old. Well, if she can do it, then we can do it. So we can say to ourselves, we need to be stronger than this. We need to not be so silly in our indulgence about what, what triggers us and worry about the triggers of the world that really can leave somebody dead. Because they're going off all around our place. And when bullets are flying overhead, there's only one kind of safety that you're worried about. And that's the kind that allows you to get up and breathe the next morning. Yeah. You know, Maury understood this quite well. He understood it from a uh, sociological point of view, and he understood it from a, a, a personal and how you feel point of view. Listen to what he said about ontological security. That makes a big difference in what I call your ontological security, mm -hmm. your security of being in the world, mm -hmm. knowing that there are those people there who have your concern very much at heart. You must have that yeah. in your own family. Yeah. You know that they'll be there. They, you don't need them. That's great. Right. But if and when you did, it's very comforting to know that they're there. Yeah. So indeed, if you don't create that, I think you're going to be in trouble in this culture. We are trying to be there for our kids, to be their family. But I tell you, it's very humbling when you are kind of the paternal figure and you realize what exactly are you going to do 
against, you know, a bunch of guys with, with guns. And you want to protect your children. It's your most natural instinct. But what exactly are you going to do if they come over the wall with guns? And, 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 and you know that your kids are looking at you and, and to you for that kind of safety and security that Maury just pointed out. And, and, and when, they, when they, they realize, like, hey, you know, n- nobody can really protect us, that leaves them very vulnerable to a, to a, to a sense of, of, of fear in the world. Like, there, no day is a safe day. And I have to imagine yeah. that, that kids in Sudan and war-torn places and in the Middle East go through that every day. And kids in the inner yep. cities in, in, in America where gunshots mm-hmm. are, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in Detroit I've done articles and columns with people who say, well, I never expected to reach 18. You know, everybody I know, you know, knows somebody who's been shot or killed in high school or, you know, running the streets or whatever. So I didn't, I didn't even think I'd reach my 18th birthday, my 20th birthday, my 25th birthday. We have that here. So just let's be careful when we talk about safety and feeling safe and triggers. And remember that there are places in the world where those words have have far more uh, tangible, realistic, steel and blood ramifications. And, 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 uh, and think about that. Wow. Well, I wish you all luck there, Mitch. That's really scary, you know. I'm going to donate for sure, and I'll share it on, on my pages and everything. And I encourage our listeners, too, to share it on their own personal social media pages because it's a really good cause, and uh, I can't imagine living like that. It's so scary. Hey, you can find out more about our orphanage, and I write I write about this uh, on a on a on a regular basis. I just wrote a piece about it at havefaithhaiti.org on the internet, and uh, you can read my latest piece about this whole situation there. And again, on the GoFundMe page, you can find us. Uh, it's up there now, live. Uh, GoFundMe for the Have Faith Haiti orphanage and uh the uh hole in the roof foundation is the name of the foundation that uh, that oversees it so anyhow something to think about uh, when we're talking about safety and i appreciate your uh, letting me kind of vent some of that today because it's been on my mind a lot we look forward to talking to you again hopefully on a little little lighter subject next week uh we appreciate your listening to us here we tuesdaypeople.com on the web is our site on the internet where you can find out about previous shows and get in some discussions. Lisa Goitsch produces the program. Thank you, Lisa, as always. And uh, we will see you again. And until then, with Lisa Goitsch, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.